Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of Comic Talk, the podcast. My name is Jesse Rivera. Today is Monday, September the 14th, 2020. Yeah, last week, for some strange reason, I said it was December. And uh, I don't know. It's just, I guess I already want to be in December. I want to be far, far away from today. I want to be far, far away from this horrible air. I want to be far, far away from, I don't know, you know, I just, I just want it to be behind us, but it's not behind us and we've got to push through it. So maybe that's why uh, in my mind, I was like, it's already December, it's Christmas, but it's not, it's September. It is September the 14th. This is Comic Talk. This is episode number 70, seven, zero. Um, I got a, I have two episodes dropping this week, actually, uh, doing today and on Wednesday, dropping a special bonus episode, episode number 71 will feature local comic Emma Haney, Emma Haney, making her third appearance on Comic Talk, the podcast. And it's a special episode because Emma and I share a birth date, not a birth year, just a birth date. So she was on the podcast last year and we talked about our birthdays and what we wanted to accomplish this year. And she was kind enough to come back this year. We joined, uh, we spoke via Zoom because we're doing everything uh, distance safe, keeping everybody safe. And we had ourselves a hoot of a time this morning. Uh, I had some surprises for her and uh, we had a good time and we had lots of laughs and i hope that the tradition continues for many many years to come jesse rivera and emma haney doing a podcast together on their birthdays but enough about that let's talk about today's guest melissa asilio sacramento amateur boxer i've been wanting to talk to her for a while i follow her on the social medias and i think she's interesting i think she's cool i think she's all that and I was just like waiting for the right time, you know, but a little while ago, I saw a clip of hers. I don't know if it was on YouTube, if it was on Instagram, but I saw an interview she did back in January when she was training for a fight. And in this interview, they mentioned that she had lost a lot of weight. Uh, I'll let her tell you about the number, but I myself am very interested in how people are losing weight. So sparked my interest. I said, you know what? I want to talk to her now ASAP. I want to talk about the weight loss. I want to talk about the boxing and I want to talk about her side project Rebel Heart that she is like this little side endeavor with two friends of hers. I'll let her tell you all about that. And we also, of course, get into uh, mental health because that's something that I think we all need to be focused on right now because it's difficult out there right now and like everybody wishes that we were past this coronavirus everyone wishes we were able to just go out and and live a normal life again but we got to be smart and we got to do uh, what's right in the name of science and in the name of medicine so we're all struggling a little bit with trying to find like a balance of staying safe but also like moving forward right we can't get stuck in a rut and I know I got stuck in it a couple of times and and I know I had to seek help from friends and I had to just like seek help from within and so talk to her about like you know how she's been dealing with all of this what was going on with her life and her career pre-covid 
what's been happening during COVID and what she plans on doing post COVID. All of that and more coming up on episode number 70 of Comic Talk, the podcast with my guest, Melissa Asilio. So without further ado, here you go. Thanks for tuning in. I'll see you guys on Wednesday. Peace. Take care of each other, folks. Melissa Asilio, how the heck are you? I'm doing pretty good. How are you, Jesse? I'm good. I'm good. It's Friday. So like, no matter what you threw at me today, I was like, that's all right. I kind of get to sleep in tomorrow morning. So I'm fine. I'm fine. Nice. Good. How, how was your day? My day was pretty good. It started late. Um, worked a full day. Um, didn't have any major crises happen at work, which is always good. And then um, I was able to go and train today uh-huh. and decompress. That's good. And, and now we're here. So I, it's, I'd say it's a pretty awesome day so far. That's great. You know, I, I wanted to talk to you for I wanted to talk to you for a while because I just thought that what you do is is interesting. Um, and I hate to say it for a girl, right? Um, but it, it is right. It's challenging. But I and I, I, I kind of wanted to talk to you at that point. But then then I watched like this little interview of yours that you did uh, back in February. And then where they talked about that you had lost 72 pounds, 70 something. It was, well, at that time, I think it was over 70. And since we've been in COVID, I've, I've put some on. But yeah, it was it was over. It's been over 70. Yeah. Well, what was what was that like? So you were you were boxing at one point. You were probably in really great shape, and then you stopped. And yeah. You, what what was it? What was it like to to lose that weight? And what was the what was the challenge? T- talk to me about that because I'm going through that right now. I'm not trying to be a boxer. That's what you said. But, but I'm trying to lose weight, and I, I've yeah. got a lot of weight to lose. Um, I've lost a lot so far, but. I, Anything you could tell me about that? I think. How much? How much have you lost so far? So right now I'm teetering in between 82 and 79 pounds. Oh, badass! So far, and that's in about. easy. That's in about 18 months. No, that's about 20 months. I'm trying to do. My goal is to be able to say that I lost 100 pounds in two years. Wow. So I'm 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 about 20 pounds shy of that goal right now, but I have until. December, but um, what what was it like for you to, to uh, finally reach a point where the weight started to go down instead of up? Yeah, um, well, I've always, um, I was a chubby kid. I've always <laughs> battled with my weight and, and actually always um, battled with depression and kind of had peaks and valleys in life. And it's, it's, I've been really impacted by it. I, um, when I was younger, I dropped out of high school because um, it really impaired, you know, my functioning. But I, um, I ended up, it was 20, I think it was 2014, and I was 33, 34. And I just, um, I remember stepping on the scale, and I was uh, at about 220. And I just realized, like, I was, I was so miserable. And I hit a real low low and I knew that I needed to do something drastic and I needed to do uh, something very different than what I had been doing. So I took, um, I really stepped back and like took a 
honest look at my life and, and how I was living and the things I was doing. And I, I made some, um, actually, I just, somebody just got home, so I'm a little distracted. <laughs> but but I, I decided that I needed to, um, that I wanted to lose the weight. And, and kind of the one thing in life that had made me really, really happy was boxing. So um, I come, came up with like a whole uh, plan of attack. I, I decided I wanted to further my career. I needed to go back to school to do that. So I applied to school, I got into school. Uh, I ended up selling my house and taking out school loans and just putting everything I had into um, getting healthy again, focusing on my studies. And I, this is funny, I don't recommend this um, to folks that are carrying around a lot of weight, but I came up, somehow I came up with the idea of running a half marathon. And I thought, if I can run this half marathon, I know I can get back in fighting shape. I know I can fight again. Um, so I was, I was still like 220 and I started training in Tahoe and had a, I think it was like a 10 week or 12 week, yeah, three month training plan. And I did my half marathon. It took me like three hours and nine minutes. And I didn't stop the whole time. Wow. I it was in San Francisco, the rock and roll half marathon. They've got bands playing every yes. mile. And you, I remember going, it was like mile seven or eight. And I was, I started, I was running across the Golden Gate Bridge and like tears were just flowing. And I was oh, listening you almost to my, made me cry right there. And I was listening to my, um, you know, you've got your music queued up and you're just kind of, I'm a, I'm like a prolific daydreamer. So I'm like daydreaming about this life of being like a fighter and I'm like crying. And, and then after that, it was like, I was like, you know what? I got this. And I was just, I was quiet about it because, you know, when you have a certain kind of, body shape and you're you know feminine like I just I knew I didn't want to I didn't want to feel or hear people's judgment so I just quietly it didn't take me in 20 months I didn't lose 82 pounds like you did it took me like shoot three years to lose maybe 50 of it and um but I started competing again and um and then uh you know got um my goal was to get to Olympic trials and I made it to our, our Olympic qualifiers, which is um, the tournament that you go to to earn a spot at Olympic trials. And I was stopped, completely stopped at the qualifiers by a really talented fighter who I'm, um, I actually am hoping to rematch before she turns pro. Um, but I, I did it and I've been doing it. And then, um, you know, COVID hit, but the weight loss journey is uh it's ongoing you know there's a lot of um you know i think emotional reasons why i eat i certainly i grew up i um i'm half italian and so in our family everything every celebration coming together as a family um anything we did for fun it seemed to always involve food yeah. <laughs> so so um i think and I loved, uh, as a family, you know, kind of one of the ways in which we showed we loved each other was through cooking. And um, so there's these very um, real healthy, you know, connections I have with food, but then also this other side that's very, you know, pleasure seeking where you want to feel better. So you go through the drive through or a couple of drive throughs or have what I call like a dessert buffet. <laughs> like I love sweets. 
um, and, and you know, right now on COVID with the weight loss, um, I'm giving myself grace. I, I put on like the COVID 15 and the COVID 20 and now I'm coming, I'm coming back from it, but it's, um, it's really, it's just been about, um, you know, commitment I've made to myself. I, I want to be healthy. Um, I don't really, I'm not focused on a number. Okay. So that's great. It's I'm focused on health. So I don't know what your, you know, kind of what prompted you, but man, 82 pounds in 20 months, that is hard work. So I don't know if, I know you've got a story there too. You know, what prompted me is like, I just like every night when I would go to bed, I would be like, I don't want to die. Like, I just, that's what it really was. You know, it's like, I, 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 I told a friend of mine, and I, I think I told like, I told my, my family or like some close family, I'm really close with a lot of my family members and I have a lot of really close friends. And when they would talk to me about like, uh, you know, about the weight, cause it's always been an issue. Uh, maybe it was about five years ago when I started like telling my best friends, I was like, you don't see old fat people. Oh, that's, that's true. You just don't, that's right? True. Yeah. Like you see old short people, you see old tall people. <laughs> You see old mean people, you see old sad people, old happy people. But she old people. <laughs> oh yeah, but you don't see old fat people. You, that's true. Were you having, starting to experience some health issues? Oh, I think I was going through a phase where like every two to three years, like there was like a hernia, um, you know, some, something, uh, you know, uh, a bad knee and, you know, something would sideline me and it would always be like, uh, I've always worked in tech, you know, so uh, in tech and in health support, we're always looking for the root cause analysis, you mm -hmm. know, like what mm -hmm. is the, let's not just fix the issue. Let's get to the root of the issue and fix that. And so every time, anytime I would, even when I would get like a serious cold or the flu, you know, uh, if I examined like what it is that made me get this sick or feel this horrible, it was like the root of it was the, the way. Yeah. 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 So I was having um uh like high cholesterol and I was you know the the doctors were starting to talk to me about you know like hey your your kind of uh your body mass index you're getting to the point where you're 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 obese you know yeah and, and then you hear that word and you're like would you call me because <laughs> in my mind I always see myself as an athlete um, and I oh, would always wow. talk about boxing because I, you know, I did it when I was younger and um, I just, I never, when I was that heavy, I never saw it, but I was, yeah, the health issues were, were starting to become real. I think, well, yeah, if you, it, I think to go back to your original question, like, was it a, was there a health issue? Yeah, I think, um, so my family has always struggled. Well, let's just say it, Mexicans have always struggled with diabetes. Mm. You know, and so every time I would go to the doctor, which wasn't a lot because I just avoided the doctor because I was like, they ain't got nothing good for me to say, you know, um, they would always be like, let's check to see. And I was never diabetic. I would always come close. I was always coming close to diabetic, but it finally reached the point where they put me on meds for diabetes. Oh, wow. And I, I was like, I was upset with myself. I was upset with the doctor. And I remember like calling my doctor like two to three weeks later and telling her, um, I don't like these meds. They give me a headache. And she's like, well, lose some weight and you won't have to take the meds. And I was like, 
well played. Okay. <laughs> I was like, yeah. Okay. I yeah. had, I had a hard time with doctors like that. I had one doctor that was put me through a fitness test uh -huh. and I, you know, I remember having to, I was supposed to hold a plank and I could not hold a plank for, you know, more than I don't 15, 20, something ridiculous, 10 seconds at a time. Uh-huh. It's like most adults can hold this for, you know, 60 seconds. Yeah. You're, you're holding it for 15. And the way she said it was just very cold and like she was kind of like, get get your shit together. <laughs> it was just yeah. Okay. yeah. okay. And I imagine I imagine it gets frustrating for doctors, right? Because they just yeah. see it all day long and then and then they leave the office and they see like the commercials for like Jack in the Box and they see the billboards for fast food and they, it, it must get frustrating for doctors because they're they're doing their best to help us and and we're we do yeah. everything we can to like are you sure I need this or maybe it's you know um, but yeah that's what it was you know it was it was it was finally being put on a diabetic medication that uh -huh. I I didn't like you know and. Yeah. And you know, because like growing up when I was a kid, like I played, I played little league, I played JBA, and I, I considered myself, you know, a baseball player. Like I, I enjoyed playing basketball and, and all that. I never enjoyed football. I didn't like getting hit. But um, you know, what? What? Let's go back. Let's go back to the boxing. So, what? What drew you to boxing to, to just to begin with? Um. Well, I I was interested in boxing as a little kid, and. Um, you know, my dad used to have, you know, big fight nights for the heavyweight fights. And I just remember being a little girl and sitting there and really enjoying myself watching the fights and his friends laughing like, you're, you know, do you see your daughter? Like, she's really into this fight. And I, um, I remember one of the fights, his friend was cracking up about it. And then my dad, you know, remember this, I have this memory of him coming over to me and saying, you really want to fight? And I was like, yeah. And he goes, you know, little girls don't fight. You don't want to get your face messed up. You want to get your nose, you know, smashed in, your brain damaged. And, um, and I remember like as a little girl wanting to, to be involved in martial arts, but we, um, my parents just didn't want us involved in that. They didn't want us fighting. Um, and so we played, I played tennis growing up. Uh, and I, I was a good tennis player. I didn't have the heart for it. I didn't fit in with the tennis crowd, the little other little girls that were in tennis. And, uh -huh. and then right after, so I had dropped out of high school and I, I started junior college and I just, I had, you know, I was having a tough go of it. And I happened to be kind of hanging around a group that I, I shouldn't have, right? We all have that when you're a kid, you know, you, you, you make stupid choices. And so I ended up um, getting like jumped by a group of girls, a girl who had been a friend of mine. This is like right around 18. And um, they brought a frying pan to the fight. And, um, you know, I, I had actually got that damn frying pan right away from him, but, you know, got knocked out. And, um, you know, when I woke up and that was the first time, you know, I had ever, you know, been in a fight and it certainly was pretty wild because there were, you know, it was three versus one. And, um, I like 
you know, woke up and I'm at the stoop of my stairs and I've got this like cut, I got this cut right here or this scar that looks like I fell off the bunk beds when I was a kid, but it's actually from that frying pan. And this was like splayed open. And then my blonde hair was all bloody and there was like blood on the walls. And I had a friend that was upstairs at the time because we, you know, I, they had knocked on the door and I, I was stupid enough to answer it. And um, she was terrified and, um, after that, I just, you know, I kind of froze in that situation. Like I didn't fight back. And then, you know, I had a lot of, um, you know, when you feel like you know someone and you're friends with someone and experience that type of, you know, violence between somebody that you thought, um, you know, was, was there for you, respected you, knew who you were. Um, you know, I had a lot of like anger and unresolved stuff after that. So um, maybe a couple years later, um, it just, everything lined up. I found myself um, walking into a boxing gym in Long Beach and I just, I fell in love with it right away. And wow. I trained for a few years, um, had a fight. My first fight, I stopped the girl. They threw in the towel. Really, your first one fight? Yeah, and I won by TKO, and you and then still after lit up telling that story. <laughs> like you, you became so like not that you haven't been animated, but you really lit up telling that. Yeah, well, it's um that was a, that was a great way, right, to start fighting to win that way. I've certainly um, been stopped myself, and and had um, you know a lot of like crazy moments that have brought a lot of joy and a lot of really painful moments in the sport but that was a great start to to boxing for me and yeah. um and then i you know i at that time it wasn't an olympic sport at that time there weren't you know i'm i'm not a little 120 pound girl there aren't that many there still aren't that many 165 pound girls fighting out there the ones that are out there are really great you know good and tough but there aren't a ton of us um sturdy sized females out there so at that time you know people um were turning pro a little quicker because there weren't as many opportunities in the amateurs the amateurs weren't as organized as they are now um so i didn't want i didn't want to turn pro and then i just kind of i got pulled away from the sport because um I felt that pressure to like build a career and it seemed like, you know, there, it just seemed like a crazy idea to like, how, you know, how is I going to build this career in boxing if I wasn't going to be pro? And because right. at that point, you're like, what, you're mid to late twenties at that point? At that point, um, at that point I was my mid twenties. Yeah. yeah. Mid -20s. So, so right I, the time where you're like, what am I going to do? Yeah. That's right. Yeah. About so I had, um, you know, I would stay in the gym kind of training and, but not really sparring. And then so every once in a while I would go through a phase where I'd kind of pick up and try and get some sparring and, and think I was going to, you know, fight again. And then, you know, finally it, it just got to a point where I had so drifted away from the sport. I had so um, drifted away from things that I was really passionate about. I was kind of following a path of like, okay, this is what you do in life. You grow up, you have a career, you buy a house, <laughs> you yeah. do all these things. And 
and it just it just didn't I just felt like you know what am I what am I doing and I had you know I had worked in the mental health field and I have this strong sense of like being of service so that was confusing too because I was kind of like no like I'm in the mental health field this is what I'm supposed to be doing and um so finally I just you know I I you know I got really obese and was in an unhealthy place and then that's when I you know made that shift that I had shared um and um but it's been it's been pretty wild for sure wow so uh you got you so you lost the weight you got back into boxing yeah. um I I watched that interview you did in January and you're getting ready for you're getting ready for a big fight uh how did that fight go that fight was amazing. So um, that fighter, um, I had previously lost to her twice. She was the first girl I ever lost to. My first five fights were all wins. Uh-huh. So she was the first girl I ever lost to. And I just knew, um, I knew that I could do it. I could pull it off. Our second fight together was close, but she, you know, she did more work. She got the win. And um right before February, you know, I had participated in our qualifier and I had gotten stopped. Um, and that was really disappointing because I didn't, you know, I didn't fight my fight. I didn't, I didn't, um, losing isn't fun and it's really not fun when you don't perform to your ability. So that was, I think that was what was exceptionally, you know, frustrating for me. Right. It's, it's, it's one thing to yeah. lose to get beat, but it's, yeah. it's another thing to lose that, like, I, I should have prepared with this. I, I knew that. I didn't. Yeah, I, I didn't. Um, I didn't do what I needed to do, what I know how to do, what I trained to do. So uh, that was hard. And then I just, um, I knew I wanted to, you know, I, I could get this win. And so I, I, you know, just can, you know, refocused. I hadn't stopped training. You know, I just continued on. And for me, it was really working on the, the mental piece and just getting my mind right so that when I when I got in there, um, you know, I I was ready. Like I there was nothing that she was going to do um, to stop me. Um, there was no part of my body, my soul that that felt like I, I couldn't get this win and this win wasn't mine. And and so I, I you know, I, I got in there and I, I performed and I came through. It was a, it was a really um, tough fight. It was a great fight. It was super fun. Did it go um, to this, how, many, how many rounds do these fights? So we do um, three. That one, I think, technically was supposed to be three three-minute rounds because her and I are both um, open or elite fighters. Once you have more, 10 or more, it, once you have, actually, once you uh, compete with other, once you compete, um, like I had competed at, uh, you can, sorry, I'm like <laughs> trying to explain this succinctly. Um, once you can opt after five fights to compete in against open and elite fighters as a female with USA Boxing. So her and I had both done that and I had previously been at a, at a national tournament. So I sh- we, it should have been long-winded way of me trying to say it should have been um, three minute rounds, but they were two, but they felt like five minute rounds. Oh, um, 
And I know they felt like that for her too, because I think she, I think her strategy was to, because I had been stopped in my last fight by a powerful girl. I think her strategy was to come out and hit me with everything she had. And I really think she thought she was going to get the stoppage. Um, and so those rounds, those second, the second and third round for her, she, I could tell she didn't have um, the stamina. Yeah. Um, she, you know, if you throw with everything you have, you can gas out. So she didn't, com she didn't completely gas out, but she, um, we were both tired in there and we were both giving it everything we had. So, yeah. So, I really like fighting her. Like I, th I think she'll, and I think she's turning pro pretty soon. So, um, if I end up in the pros, I know that we'll we'll cross paths there. And I know I know that, uh, you know, it'll be really competitive again. Do you think she speaks the same way of you? Um, you know what she, um, Kelsey, very, her name. You're speaking very complimentary of her. Right? Yeah, Kelsey's her name. Um, you know, Kelsey has um a background in martial arts and i oh, see wow. her as somebody she brings like um that martial arts respect towards other fighters and, and okay. kind of yes. reverence to the sport mm -hmm. um and so i've never heard her uh publicly speak badly i know there's a lot of shit talking so i, I don't know i don't know how she speaks speaks about me i have um you know, it's you have to have tough skin in boxing. You know, yeah. a lot of people who um, have this sort of, you know, talk about boxing as almost being a religion, and you know, have you know that that connection and respect for other fighters. And then there's there's folks that are out for blood and want to see you fail, and will talk shit and feel like they need to talk shit. <laughs> so. So I, I don't know. I just roll with it. I don't worry about how other, you know. Right on. It's right part on. of the sport. It's part of the sport. So, so that, that was in February, right? February of this that year. That was in February. Yes. Seems That's, like a lifetime ago. It does, doesn't it? Because, <laughs> yeah. So that fight ends. And then are you immediately trained? Like what what was next on your, on your, on your path? Yes. That, I, I really, um, you know, I just want to keep doing this and I want to have as many, I can uh, compete in the elite open division up until like I turn 41. So, and I, so I've got like a couple years left. And so I just want to, I want to rise to my ability. I want to challenge myself. I want to see, um, I know I haven't peaked as an athlete yet. Um, so my goal after that was to, con to continue fighting. I also, um, I'd like to do this as a career. And when I say do this as a career, I mean, not necessarily like turning pro, but but be in the business of boxing. And so I had started a women's boxing brand with a, actually a, a fighter and a, um, a classmate that I went to school with. And the plan after February was for us to do a number of events, um, youth clinics, and even travel internationally for boxing. Wow, <laughs> so February, really? uh, we just kind of, you know, hit a wall. And and I, you know, fe and, or right after February, right in March is when everything kind of started. Right. And 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 then, um, you know, it was at that time it was like, okay, we, I got to regroup, you know. And I didn't. I don't know how you. 
I wasn't one who a lot of my friends immediately were online. They had their video workouts. Um, they were resilient from day one. And that, that wasn't the case for me. I, I, there was like a good month where I feel like I just zoned out and like stared at the wall. Like, like really? Like, like I knew, like I, you know, I'm kind of a hippie, like fundamentally, I think that like, this is all part of a master plan, but, and, and, um, you know, this, you know, is somehow preparing me for something, but, you know, better, it's making me stronger, I'm going to grow for it, grow from it. Um, it's challenging me, it's an opportunity, you know, crisis is opportunity, these are all things I believe. Um, but but yeah, for like a good two months, I was staring at the walls. <laughs> really? So when, when COVID hit, were you still able to keep training? I, I was, I was, I had, um, so I was still able to train uh, in, in what uh, now a former coach's uh, garage. And then I had also been, you know, strength training and that, you know, those gyms closed. Uh, so yeah, so I, I, I've been able to stay training, um, just like a lot of other people, the things, you know, you had lined up with your career and your passions, like, just, you know, it just stops. What, did that, did that mess with you mentally, or, or did you, you kind of just rolled with it? Um, I think I'm, I'm rolling with it now. Uh -huh. um, but when you hit that... When you hit that wall, where yeah. what was your mindset during that time? You know, I'm I'm pretty good. I you know I've throughout my life have kind of ridden like the peaks and valleys of, of depression at something. Um, you know, I've I've managed throughout my life at something. You know, that's in our family. I have you know a father with um, that manages his own bipolar disorder. So I kind of knew. I knew what was starting to happen with me. And I knew as a former mental health worker at that time, I, I actually was like, okay, what did I used to do with my really depressed uh, uh -huh. you know, consumers? Like, what are, what are the tools I would use? Like, how did I get them out of this? And so I started just, uh, I started off with like really creating a routine for myself, um, coming up with the things I could really control on a daily basis thinking about what were the things that would, were bringing me joy. Um, then I started kind of evaluating my friendships and who I was, you know, uh, in contact with. Started, ah! That's my dog. My roommate came in too. So I have people here. Oh, that's funny. That's funny. Yeah. Uh, and I, you know, I kind of, I just came up with a plan of attack. And I also realized, okay, um, this isn't something that's gonna go away in six months. And I had been working like a, a part-time job as I was launching Revel Heart, as I was working on other boxing projects. So I realized I was like, okay, I need, I need um, we could be like two years before things are back to normal. So I got a job back in the mental health field and, um, and I'm doing that. And actually it's been this, um, it's been a big, surprised to me how how well I've um, adjusted with and and kind of found not a completely new path but I think there's some opportunities within the mental health field 
where I can merge my love for boxing. I was just thinking that. Yeah. 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 And, you know, because we talk about boxing being a therapy and I was interesting because right off the bat on my caseload, I kept getting kids like kids with aggression issues, kids physically acting out, kids, you know, and I thought like, you know, and, and some of the, the, the kiddos on my case though, um, that I was transferred, one of the things the team had given them was like, one of their coping skills was having a, a bag in, you know, at the house that they could, they could punch. And so, um, you know, I think it's really interesting that I've ended up back in the field and and um and i am now plotting to do something with uh with does, boxing and does the does the hippie in you say that uh this is where you're supposed to be right now oh totally this is what you're supposed yeah. to be getting into it yep yeah a hundred a hundred percent it feels it feels like um you know this is tied to my purpose and this is like really how i could be like of service to others and and so it it just feel, and I think that, um, you know, it feels good. Like if you can't help yourself or if you're going through something just to like, feel like, okay, I'm, I'm making an impact. Like, okay, we're, you know, and I, I work as part of a team of really talented people. Um, and it's, you know, it's hard to do during this time. And we, we all, we, you know, we always are talking about how we're taking care of ourselves, but, but it's kind of, it's pretty wild how things turn out. Cause yeah. I, yeah. You know, you said you said three things about about what you did and I and I think they're super important. You said you created a routine. Yeah. You you focused on what you could control. Yeah. And you took an assessment of the people that you were uh, allowing in your life, right? Mm -hmm. Because and I continue to do that. It's yeah. Because those, those like some talk that I have had in the past many toxic friendships. I've Run. <laughs> Run, Jesse. Yeah. Like, like I've, I, and I can admit, I've been that toxic friend, you know? Yeah. And, um, but I think that, that that's, that's really super key in getting through these, these times is like, create, one of the things that like, that really, really helped me is that like, I started working from home during this time and it really helped with my diet because it really helped me get into a routine of like what time I'm eating, how much I'm eating. We were talking about that the other night. Yeah. yeah. I've never had so many like omelets in my life. Like I've never had time to cook uh, yeah. super healthy breakfast. Yeah. I love making breakfast, but making breakfast is my absolute Same favorite thing. thing. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I love making breakfast and I love, I love cooking in general, but you know what, going back to, uh, um, I want to touch on this because we're talking about cooking and you were saying how um, food was such a big part of your family life. Oh yeah. As um, my family as well. But what I'm really enjoying is um, reinventing the dishes that my mom made and try uh -huh. to make them a little bit healthier. You know, um, like, uh, like my mom used to make just the best chicken, but she would fry it in the pan with oil and, now like i'm cooking it in the instapot you know and but uh i love i used to my the favorite dish that my mom would like my mom's favorite dish like when mom would say you know it's your birthday what do you want for dinner i would always pick mole i love Ooh, mole. yummy and i'm figuring out how to make mole 
with uh, with white rice instead of Spanish rice, and I'm cooking the chicken in the Instapot versus cooking it, you know, with you know versus frying it, and I and and I'm just learning the, these different ways of like how to make these meals that comforted me as a child, right? That are uh, really healthy. I've been doing something similar. Um, like I really like cooking lasagna, which is so fatty, right? So terrible. <laughs> yeah, how are you fixing that? Yeah, so I've been doing that with like more like fresh veggies in it. And so not, I've been, I haven't been doing like my cream-based like spinach lasagna, but doing, you know, fresh grilled veggies in it. And then also um, using, um, experimenting with like protein pastas and, you know, trying to still enjoy cooking, but don't make the default uh, comfort foods, right? Yeah. Yeah. Was, yeah and I was, I was, with that, yes. Yeah. And I, I, for the, I don't know why I did this for like the first couple of months of COVID. I just like, had to have like I was baking brownies constantly <laughs> not a bad thing so stupid um so I was and I think yeah I was very basic in that way I think there were a lot of I went through a comfort food comfort food I went through a COVID phase where I was making uh breakfast every I was making breakfast every morning but I was making biscuits those Oh my, my mom like used to always make gravy. No, no, I didn't get that bad. <laughs> but my mom used to always do, do those uh, those blueberry, uh, no, well, no, Pillsbury, those Pillsbury biscuits in the blue can, and the and like the thick fluffy those ones. Those are really good. And, and good. I, I could eat a couple cans of those. I went through a phase where I was I was buying cans of those at Trader Joe's, and there would be six in every can, and I would have three, two days in a row. And then I would wonder why I wasn't losing any weight, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. But, I don't know how I gained 20 pounds. During yeah. Yeah. And I was doing them with bacon, but I was doing yeah. it because it, it was just like mom made. And I, and, and it was very comforting uh, during the, at the beginning of COVID when I was convinced that I was going to get COVID and die because I was fat. Oh. I was, Where I was, are you? Were you like terrified? I was, I was. Oh my and, God. But now, now I'm not so much anymore. Now, yeah. now I feel that like um, I can fight it off. That now I feel that I'm gonna get sick. Like if I get sick, I'm gonna be able. I'm gonna be strong enough to to fight it off. Um, taking my vitamin D every day. Um, what I take? I take an omega three. Take a B twelve. I take a vitamin D three, and I take a vitamin C. I have my vitamins over here um, every day, and I feel. I mean, I'm still huge, right? But I, I feel great right now, um, and I'm, I'm not any more afraid than I think the average American, you know, of, mm -hmm. what, of what's happening right I now. I was really, yeah, I was really worried about my parents, and then when I hit that wall, I was kind of like, whatever happens, take me. If you gotta take me, like I just was like, <laughs> um, kind of just, you know, out of it. But yeah, I was really worried about. Um, for my my mom and my dad and my dad's had sort of like nine lives with a number of health issues and he had a pulmonary embolism uh, maybe five years ago and we were called in and kind of told 
you know, he had a 50-50 shot of making it. And, and so he still to this day has those, you know, blood clots that are in his lungs. Oh, wow. And, and, um, and so, yeah, if, if it's still, you know, really risky if he were to get COVID. Yeah. yeah. Let's talk about um, uh, your, your, your boxing line. I, I keep forgetting if it's Rebel Heart or Rebel Heart. Rebel, it sounds like rebel. So rebel heart. Rebel heart. Tell me referring to the, the revolutionary love that you really feel when you're connected with your passions in life and really like on your path of truth is kind of where that name came from. Uh that is isn't just me, it also is um behind that's a woman named Victoria Gordon, who is the first woman I ever sparred that I met about gosh, 18, 19 years ago in Long Beach at Westminster Boxing Gym, DG Boxing. And then uh, another, a gentleman named Vu Trin, who's a research scientist out of UC Davis that I met wow. when I was in school there. So we, um, we've developed a line of women's gloves that are specially fit for women's hands. And behind that, um, is a real mission to also grow the sport for women. And we do that. Um, currently, we had been doing that through some girls events um, that we were planning to grow this year. Um, and then we have, you know, we we're self-funded um, and um, we have some friends and family that have, you know, helped us get started, but we, um, you know, we don't have any big money just yet, but we have a lot of big plans and um, have been making inroads in the sport. And so are looking to um, continue moving forward with that, um, sp sponsor some athletes, and then continue to to have some innovative events and, and just do some fun things. We, uh, this last year, um, were at the California Democratic Convention with Planned Parenthood's after party supporting them. Um, the governor was there and it was just, it was really cool to, um, to be there um, and, and support them. And, um, and just kind of, you know, women's sports are really tied to the women's movement and everything that's been going on with um, the challenges to Roe versus Wade. Um, you know, it was just um, for us like a real signpost. Like this is okay. This is where we belong, and and um, you know, a sign to keep going. You know, yeah, again, what again, we're building out. Again, you found yourself where you needed to be, right? Yeah, yeah. And then we also um, we partnered with um, a, a woman running for office down in San Diego. Did an event with her, um, and you know, had had some plans this year to, to continue on with, with our events. And we're just, we're regrouping and kind of um, coming up with our next steps kind of right now, so. So where, where, where's boxing right now? Is, are they allowing events to happen or are our events? Uh... Yeah, so, um, so I compete in the amateurs through USA Boxing and USA Boxing has a plan, um, a phased plan based on kind of states restrictions and, okay. and current status with COVID. Um, so there are, 
they're doing kind of like test boxing events where there aren't any spectators. There's um, protocols with COVID, with testing, um, and, and you know they're adhering as best they can to social distancing, wearing masks um, up until, of course, you get into competition. Right. Um, so there's states like right now, like Idaho and. Oregon and Utah, I think, that are starting to have a, a trickle of events, but it, it's nothing like, you know, um, USA Boxing typically, you know, on the weekend here in Northern California, you might have like a show in, going on in the Bay and a show in Sacramento and, you know, hundreds of shows happening all across the U.S. And right now there might be, you know, on any given weekend, like four shows or something wow. crazy. So, um, so it is happening there, you know, folks are having to travel um, to get to shows. Um, there is the risk, you know, of, of COVID. Um, and they're just, you know, they're figuring it out as they go along. They're hoping to still have the nationals in December. Um, they had to change the location from Lake Charles because it was impacted with the hurricane. Um, so, Amateur boxing is, you know, trying to take flight again as best they can um, with the pandemic. Um, pro boxing is really limited. There are some fighters here that are going down to Mexico for fights. Um, that's been kind of spotty. There were either, even some, there's a issue going on with one of the promoters and uh, I think he, it was either Rosarito or Tijuana that, um, box rec that keeps track of fighters records isn't honoring those fights so oh, no. I think a fighter I know was impacted by that and and you actually are having to pay to get on that promotion so that fighter I think paid upwards of a thousand dollars to fight in the pros to have a pro fight and he went down there and now that fight is not being counted on his record so there are um you know the the there are some limited pro fights happening and folks are kind of, you know, traveling to Mexico and making it happen, but um, mostly boxing's on hold. Yeah. <laughs> I know yeah. for us, for Rebel Heart, we're not, um, we don't want to risk doing anything in person. Um, uh, my partners have both have um, fa um, elderly family members that are at high risk. Um, with some serious health issues. So, uh, you know, we're, we're not going to do it at this time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that sounds like the smart thing to do because it's, I mean, boxing has been there for you your whole life, right? It was, it was there when, when you in, in your 20s and, and, and it, it waited for you, right? You went away from it. And you, kind of it's bitter I mean it's bittersweet right like I'm not I'm not 25 <laughs> and um you know I can only compete for a limited time you know I their window is still open but it's um you know I, I don't have 10 years ahead of me so yeah that's how I feel with comedy that's how Do I, feel you know? I feel like you can be a, a comedian at any age are there are there like are they ageist with like you Betty White but there's comics that there's comics that I really admire, right? Who are like in their fifties, yeah, doing it for twenty five years, thirty years, and and they talk about just like having grown up as a comic, like being an eighteen year old comic and being a nineteen year old comic and being a twenty five year old comic and and just how like how their their whole life evolved around comedy and 
I was always like kind of like, you know, the funny guy in the group, but I was never, you know, brave enough to get up and try to do comedy until just, you know, until I, you know, I, I reached the point and I was like, it's kind of now or never, you know. That's uh, how I felt with boxing. Yeah. That's that's great. I, we, we're both we're both uh, not 24, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we uh, we're we're taking on the, these these two different worlds where that are crazy ass worlds. It is. It's crazy. So well, you've been doing comedy for two years. September 30th would have been my two year anniversary. Yes, um, two years. Before that, I did a lot of improv, but improv is a lot <gasps> different. I would be so weird in improv. You think so? <laughs> I think like I'm not like I'm not like the cool kid and yeah, I think I would just really embarrass myself in improv. You know the thing about improv I think I'd make everybody uncomfortable in improv. No, no. here here's the, <laughs> here's the here's the thing about improv. The um one of the ongoing themes of of improv like within the community of improv is I got your back. Me, oh, see, I me, didn't know that. I thought it was yeah. like, hey, we're all here. No, no it's and like, I got, I got your back. As a matter this of fact. This is the weird thing I'm saying, and you're yeah. going to think of something really witty to retort. And... It, it is that. It is that. But there's like, there's like this, this tradition of like, whenever an improv team is getting ready to go out on stage, everyone reassures one another with a pat on the back saying, I got your back regardless of so so when you go That's out there nice. no matter of what you do like you like how you're saying i don't know what i'm going to say i might say something the weirdest dumbest totally. it you might say that but the person the person next to you has promised to whatever you say they're going to try to they're make gonna it. go with it they're going to go with can it can you like get fired from your improv troupe like what if you just like no, like, but how does that work? Like, you Jesse, get, like, what if you have just a mediocre run? You can get coached after your performance. Oh, oh. Uh, and like, so I learned at the, I studied at the Sacramento Comedy Spot. Okay. Like, you know, I took improv 101, 201, 301. And I took them each a couple of times. And after class and after performances, there is, there is always someone willing to give you advice on what you did and there's so many coaches there and it's such a it's there's there's so many people there supporting you it's that's nice do you know i think do you know a woman named bitsaida yes does... i know bitsaida lebron yes the master of improv she was a, uh, when i was in grad school she was a roommate of mine for a very short time oh how and i went to that? see her perform improv she was phenomenal yeah yeah she's she one... so good she was no. amazing she's one of the like Isn't she a upper... teacher Yes, yeah, she's one of yeah, the yeah. level. Okay. Uh, she's one of the, the improv masters. Yeah, yeah, we went to see her. Yeah, that's yeah. Sacramento Comedy Spot, or I think so. It was like kind of like um, a large room. I don't know. I don't. I'm trying to remember what. A large room with the with the stage <laughs> people, and there were chairs. <laughs> Sorry, I don't. I don't remember anything about the space. Okay. Yeah. But I remember Bitsila, and she was. Well, she she she's very memorable. Yeah, she she's yes. so good. Oh, yeah. that's cool. Okay, so you can get coached and make it through it. Yeah, and a lot of a lot of um, they they even offer like a improv 
work, workshops like for for work like like as a team building exercise i've seen that and yeah and it, and it yeah. really helps with your public speaking you know because uh because a lot of people are terrified to, to speak in public so I'm t i am one of those people really yeah wow I don't know what it is i don't you know what? actually i do know what it is it's the people the blank faces staring at you and i get tripped up on the faces not like i think they're judging me it's just too much at once uh-huh it's like it's attention overload yeah like maybe yeah. if like three quarters of the people could like look away <laughs> or look at their phones <laughs> or look at their phones but when it's like a room full of like 50 people and they i have their undivided it's too much i get it i get it it's yeah like I, they, yeah I still feel like that sometimes too. Do doing you? Doing comedy or doing improv, but um, you kind of just like, you don't give yourself that. It goes by so fast up there. Like are you were saying, yeah. like, you're saying yeah. like, like those, those two minute rounds seem like forever. Like it, it goes. Yes by. and no, it depends. Yeah. yeah. It, it for, generally the fight, like um, it, they felt forever in that, um, for that fight for whatever reason even though i was like in the best shape i have been uh -huh. i felt like i needed to be more conditioned so but generally the fight goes over is over very quickly but you know what's funny is i have no problem getting on stage in that ring to perform in front of an audience yeah i would i ha i can do that but public speaking not so much yeah it's can engage in combat fight but you don't want to talk. <laughs> I don't want to talk. I have a hard, I have a hard time even like, um, you know, getting out to promote my own business. Even this is so funny. Even tonight, I was super ner nervous coming on here. Isn't that funny? Were you really? Totally. I no no. I mean, you, you, the you're you're very talkative and and you're you're very animated and it it does not show at all. Okay, good. But yeah. now everybody knows. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> nobody knew up until now. Oh shoot. Um. But you, you similarly, uh, you know, you're someone too, like you have this non-traditional path in life, this career you're pursuing that people are like, oh, you want to be a comedian? Okay. Yeah. And, um, Cause I get the same thing with, you know, my fighting, like people don't really, I don't know. I don't want to assume what your experience is, but you were telling me that when COVID hit, you had um, St. Patty's Day, San Francisco, comedy spot lined up no no you're starting to really gain traction yeah i was supposed and to build a name for yourself yeah yeah i was supposed to do san francisco punchline on on saint patrick's oh day gosh. with a button and with the invisible disabilities show which is invisible disabilities is a uh, a show started by some very dear friends of mine ali yada drew kinsey and amber whitford Invisible Disabilities, the theme to this comedy show is people talk about their invisible disabilities. Now, my disability is kind of visible because like I'm so big, but like I talk about my anxiety and my fears and and I make jokes of them. Other people talk about like their, um, oh gosh, uh, having eczema, um, but uh, having bipolar disorder, um, having anger issues, uh, body dysmorphia. 
Oh wow! And they and they and they're able to to uh, tell stories that are, that are funny. And so uh, that I was getting to do the invisible that I was getting that I was given the chance to do the San Francisco Punchline, which is just this world famous comedy club that had almost gotten shut down, but Dave Chappelle and a bunch of other comics saved it. Uh, made it uh, a no, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, that it was about to get shut down. Well, the the property was going to get sold. In typical stuff, you know, the property was going to get sold. But they stepped in and they stopped that. And we were going to get. I was going to get to do San Francisco Punchline with the Invisible Disabilities team that I was so proud to be a part of. Uh, the show was going to be headlined by a San Jose comic, Coral Best. Um, and she was going to talk about her her issues. She, she's been on this podcast uh, just a couple of weeks ago, you know, and that all stopped. But how you say also that you're doing stuff to to stay in boxing when even when you can't box, you know, yeah, when yeah. it's not when you when you won't box anymore. I'm kind of the same way. Whereas like, um, I you you're right. I think anybody at, at at any age you can get up there and and try to tell jokes. But I also like want to be more behind the scenes of just like maybe helping people write, uh, maybe producing shows, and definitely like to keep doing this podcast because this, uh, like I was telling you the other night, like this podcast started off. I mean, it's called Comic Talk, which you were probably like, why does Comic Talk want to have me on a podcast? Like, I'm not a comic, but um, that's the brand I gave it, and it's kind of like all of the all of the social media is pointed to it. It fits. And, um, but when I, when this first started out, it was people talking about their jokes and their joke writing and their joke development. But I, just how, like, how you were saying that, like, you know, uh, I, I need, I need, I need the cause of this. And like, I, I need it. I need to be doing something with it. Like it's, it's shifted. And now I'm just more focused on, you know, people sharing their stories with me. And a lot of times it is comics, but other times it's it's social workers who are also developing a a, a, a boxing brand with and some fight people on the side and getting to, <laughs> to fight people two or three times yeah you know no, i i love it i think and we were talking about this the other night like we live in such a um you know a celebrity culture and we think like oh you know you can't make an impact you know you know what what can i possibly do to to change things or make change or change the culture. And I think that I love like stories of like ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Like we, we talked about, you know, I know so many badass people that have just been through so much in their life. Um, and, you know, you can learn so much from them. And so it's, it's just interesting to me, I think. Like I'm somebody that's very much um more fascinated by people than things and so i love what you're doing and kind of what you're unpacking and just kind of like having the conversation like how you know how are you doing and what what are you doing right now and i think we're all kind of in that space where you're kind of forced to kind of sit back and think about your life and you know you're having to do it because some some major things have changed and it's just, um, it's, it's a fun project to you. I mean, it's not, it's more than a project, right? But uh, it's, it's pretty cool with what you're doing. 
Thank you, thank you. Yeah. And, and, and you're doing the same thing. And, and you know, one of the reasons that I, I wanted to, to talk to you is like, I have, um, I have uh, young nieces who are like, you know, junior high and high school, and and they are, they they are doing things that that I think are amazing, and and I and I think that they that they you know they they they, are, they need role models, you know, just like all these young men have role models. Like these young men grew up, you know, watching Jerry Rice, and 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 never never there was never uh, uh what am I saying? There was always male uh, sports role models, right? But female mm -hmm. sports role models, there there hasn't been a lot, you know. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. uh, and especially in boxing, I yeah think of one. I can't, you know. I, um, when when MMA came, there there started to be, but I I yeah. really admire what you're doing with with all of your passions and and Thank uh, you. that's why I wanted to have you on and talk to you. Thank you. Yeah, I I think that um, you know. Like, uh, women's sports get 3% of the coverage of sports in total. Wow. And yeah. And, um, you know, media is also run by men. Um, you tip, you traditionally are usually white men. And so you also at different times, you know, have a certain type of female they're promoting. And, um, luckily there've been women, you know, like that have broken, you know, major barriers and, um been able you know like i always think of like the williams sisters oh yes Rina and venus like what they do for women's sports and um i think that we need you know more more women athletes that um that are covered that are you know their stories are told in like the complexity that they exist you know um that they're more than just kind of like um, with when I'm thinking of fighting, you know, I think oftentimes um, fighters feel pressure to develop like a persona, like a foxy fighter babe. You know, we talk a lot about marketability. And so boxing in particular is this real uncharted territory for women when it comes to, um, you know, like how we're, we're being promoted. I think that there's some, some real opportunities and in, in the past maybe there have been women that have been given more opportunities based on, you know, some of their looks rather than their merit and ability. And so that's one of the things, you know, my right now Rebel Heart's really small. Um, but one of the cool things about starting your own business or starting your own anything is that, you know, you get to put the stories out there, the images out there and, um, you know, my partners are, are both, you know, people of color, black woman, Vietnamese man. And so we talk a lot about, you know, um, as we're building out, you know, what, what stories, who do we want to showcase um, so that we, we, you know, we get those images out there and we kind of shift some of the, um, shift the culture and the narrative, even if it's only for, you know, the, the uh, thousand people that are following us, right? Um, but it's it's pretty cool. So I'm excited to keep going. I'm excited to keep watching you, Melissa. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming. Likewise, likewise. So I'm excited to see what you do. Thank you so much. And uh, and we'll see you down the road. And I, when when all this is 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 behind us, I 
I'm looking forward to coming to one of your fights and and uh, and uh, and I'm going to cheer for you and I hope you will return the favor and come. I absolutely the first show that can have a real audience again and I will be there. No. Uh, and I won't be like a weirdo in the audience like <laughs> I absolutely believe you. Doing anything strange. There's all you know cuz there's always that one guy, right, that thinks he's funnier than the comic on stage and he's got to like kill something like yeah yeah always oh my gosh um, how do you even handle that you know what i was at a point what do you do when you get when you have what are they what do you call them like just hecklers yeah or, they're hecklers they're hecklers right what yeah. do you do do you have like you have like a a heckler toolbox like things you're no, ready to no, don't because i always thought because so many of the comics i see are just like ready to go and yeah like, yeah because that, that's happened to them hundreds all hundreds the time times. yeah, yeah. What do you do? What's your process with a heckler? Do you have a process? Because we talked the other yeah, night, you were yeah. talking about your writing well, process. You, but. You're watching the crowd, you're watching the crowd the whole night and you're looking for hot spots in the crowd. Like this table's laughing, that table's not laughing, that table's drinking heavily, that table's looking at their phones, right? And when you kind of spot that there's a heckler going on, right? Then unfortunately, you're watching him and you're like, it's usually a him. It's always, I was going to say, it's always, it's always a him. <laughs> uh, he's always drinking. Uh, uh -huh. And he's always got like at least one person with him. That's like, has this face of like, please shut oh up. Oh my God. Oh my God. So you start looking for things to pick them apart. Like oh their, their haircut or their, their look like because it's going to come down to you against them right that yeah these steps to me we're going to have to go yeah you got to be ready and and i hate to make fun of the fact that he's a drunk or that he's got a messed up haircut or that you know what i'm saying but um i i can't let him win do you and i know we gotta i want to be respectful of your time but do you have like oh, a no, quick do you have a quick like any uh hecklers that stand out where you like I not even was like, ooh, dis. Do people still say that? <laughs> I've only gotten into it with a heckler twice because I, you know, uh -oh. like I said, I, I've been lucky. Well, and my, my favorite time, well, the time that I felt that I did good is that there was this group of kids um, at a bar one night and they were like wearing uh, misfits. I remember because the one I the one I picked on <laughs> was wearing a, a misfits t-shirt and rock was, man and he was being obnoxious and um yeah and <laughs> he said something and and i went back at him and i said name two misfits albums oh and he's like uh, and i was like exactly shut up and then he said something else and i was like name one danzig record and not the live one and I was like, you can't, because you're a poser. You're fake. Everything about oh. you. So, but like I said, like, I knew that he was, once I knew that he might be a threat to my set, I started, like, dissecting him and, like, what is it about him that I could tear down? Poser. You knew right away. Your yeah. shirt, you need to return your shirt from Hot Topic, sir. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was going to age myself and say, take that shirt back to Sam Goody. But Oh, shoot. Sam Goody. The, the music store. Yeah, yeah, but it was definitely a Hot Topic yeah. shirt, not, not yeah, a Sam Goody shirt. Yeah, Hot Topic. Yeah. Isn't that funny Hot Topic still around? Yeah. 
Well, Melissa, let's wrap it up and yeah. we'll, we'll end the podcast here. I, I really appreciate it and we'll see you down the road. Absolutely. Thank you. Okay. Thank you.